Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Soundcheck, the rock and roll and alternative music podcast here at Central <laughs> oh, Michigan no. Life. My name is Michael Livingston, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Andrew Mullen. And our wonderful podcast editor, Ben Ackley. I love how you, you, you almost, <laughs> you almost stumbled. You almost stumbled, but you powered through it. Do respect for I that. did. I did power through it, it, much like the band we're talking about today. But before we get into our topics, Andrew, what's our housekeeping we got to take housekeeping. care of? Housekeeping. So, um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter. I think I actually need to make some Twitter posts for once. Hooray! Whoa. Yeah. Um, make sure you check out last week's episode, too. Yeah, too. That was, was a banger. A, that was a pretty, yeah, I really enjoyed the episode. We didn't agree on everything. No. As it's going to be the case here today, I'm pretty sure. But um, I will say it was I did have a blast talking about mm-hmm. one of my favorites, Alanis Morissette. Definitely go check that out. And you can find that on our Twitter account, which our Twitter handle is SCheckOfficial. And you have a Twitter as well, Michael? Yes, you can follow me at Michael C. Live. I retweet things sometimes. <laughs> um, you want to plug yours? Same here. Andrew, Andrew Mullen 4. Uh-huh. Now. Is on, that all we're taking care of? That's uh, really it? I think so. Is there anything else? Not really. So, I mean, this is... So, okay, can I introduce Yes, this? please. So, last week, we, we took a trip up to the Great White North for our episode. But now, we're heading to the land down under, Michael, because who are we talking oh, about today? Oh, yes. Okay. This is an episode we wanted to do for a long time, or at least I have for a yeah. long time. One of my favorite current bands, the musical Rainbow, that is King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Um, ben and I both have yep. some personal history with this band. Ben, you can start us off. How did you discover King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard? I was traveling in a fried-out combi on a hippie trail. <laughs> 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 <Zombie>. <laughs> um, oh my god! No, I, I was trolling YouTube one day, um, and I found the music video for Lord of Lightning, which had just recently come out. And it's all of them just, like, playing in the woods, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, all the drummers are playing with actual sticks, giant sticks from trees. Uh, and they were very charming, and I liked the music, and I even liked the spoken word stuff. Yeah. So I went into that album. I got into some of the other stuff, just kind of piecemeal going through it. And I ended up loving almost all of it. Yeah. Um, similar to with... To me, I discovered them through like a YouTube recommendation, but I actually got a secondhand recommendation when I clicked on a video for Psychedelic Porn Crumpets, which is another Australian psych band. Um, I do quite like them. Yeah, um, I wouldn't mind talking about them one of these days, but like they're definitely not as standout-ish as King Giz. But um, then I saw King Giz in the recommended, and the their, the name of the band couldn't fit on the title card, so I'm like, okay, I guess I'll just check it out. And I forgot what song was recommended to me but it was probably off mind fuzz because that is the the album that i can go back farthest with in my memory um and just got hooked ever since and then um from there you know this is a band that's heavily reviewed by anthony fantano so i watched all of his reviews of it not to kind of give him a plug as if he needed it but (laughs) i mean you know watching the reviews and kind of watching them being distinguished and and him kind of um capitalizing on how each album has their own unique personality and sound um it really threw it together for me and i got hooked ever since um andrew uh you discovered king giz did i recommend it to you or did you hear of them before so i know i'd heard the name before because how can you not hear of the name (laughs) king gizzard and the loser wizard and not forget about it so i know i'd heard i'd heard the name floating around i know i'd seen some of their album covers floating around but i never gave, gave it much thought which I don't know how again. I do not give a band with that name that mm-hmm. any any time of day. But I don't know. It just never really, just really just worked out for me. I guess in that way. But I know you had 
you've been singing the praises to me for quite a long time. And um, and honestly, the way you described it to me, I was like, wow, this, these guys do sound really interesting. So I, you said that you, at least you were looking forward to this. I was actually looking forward to going to this episode because I mm-hmm. wanted an excuse to really check these guys out. Yeah. And... And, li- and you were certainly right, and you've, I know you've described them before as musical chameleons, and I think that's a brilliant way of putting them, because mm-hmm. they don't really stick with one genre um, per record. You don't really get the same King Gizzard, King Gizzard album twice, which I, which I really appreciate, because um, if I don't mind delving into something, mm-hmm. you know, we're all human, and as any music fans, I think we all at some point picture ourselves in being an awesome, big, huge rock band of one course. day. Of so, course. And of course, that's the kind of, since see, I have such a wide taste in music that's mm-hmm. a band like this is something i've always it's how i always kind of picture myself doing not sticking with any one genre going yeah. there and of course then reality hits and it's just like oh that's stupid who would the fuck follow that kind of band you know <laughs> so and then i just forget about it <laughs> yeah but then lo and behold there's actually a band like that out there so it actually really tickled me quite a bit no doubt before we get into the actual discography of this band i'll give you just a quick short bio of these guys before we get in um these, this is a group that is from Melbourne, Australia. They all grew up together in um, in Melbourne and uh, started off as just a friendly jam band, just friends getting together and jamming out all the time. Um, the nickname or the name from the band kind of comes from an original name for the band called Gizzard Gizzard, and then they kind of combined it with Jim Morrison's stage name, Lizard King, right? Yeah. And. If you want some uh, talent or names to the personalities here, you have Stu McKenzie, which is the kind of the lead songwriter, um, lead vocals, guitars, clarinet, double bass, uh, sitar, zerno, um, pretty much all of those weird instruments you're going to hear on there. Um, he took the time to learn how to play. Um, alongside Stu, you also have Ambrose, Kenny Smith, with vocals, harmonica, keyboards, mainly doing all this synth work. I you think got, if you read out all these instruments, we're going to be here for an hour. I'm not. It, I, we're, dude, we're almost through. I'm just kidding. We're not. We got Cookie Craig, um, rhythm guitar, bass, yes. <laughs> Nickname Cookie. His real name's Cook. Uh, Joey Walker, guitar, bass, keyboards, vocals. You got Lucas Skinner on bass, keyboards. And here's an interesting thing about King Giz. They have two drummers. Playing things at the same time. You can see that at their live shows and when they perform on uh, studio sets or something like that. Um, the two drummers is Michael Cavanaugh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. It's spelled differently than the uh, our man in, in the Don't. Supreme Court. <laughs> but uh, drums and percussion there. Yeah. And then uh, you got Eric Moore, who the inside joke is that he does nothing. But in actuality, Eric Moore started Flightless Records which is King Giz's independent record label that also signed artists like uh, the Murlocs, which is Ambrose's side project, and bands like Tropical Fuckstorm. So, wow. There's your bio. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, I don't even know where to go from that. So, but I, I guess before we begin, I, there is something I'd want to ask you guys. I tried looking it up online somewhere, and I'm, I'm really interested in knowing at least if you guys have the answer to this do you know why they decided to kind of go in this directionless musical direction in a way where it's like we're just going to make we're just going to make any kind of music any kind of music we want regardless of what genre it is do you guys have the answer to that because i couldn't find it online i don't know if they necessarily have a straight up answer but i think at least a part of it is um stew is kind of he does he has an amoeba uh what's in my bag um, episode mm-hmm. where 
he shows everyone the stuff that he's purchased at Amoeba Records, and it's all like literature. I think he really kind of uses music as a means to an end to tell stories and like get poetry out there. So I think that's at least a part of why you can see this changing musical identity. Definitely. I think he's the type when he's reading a mm. novel or a book, he's hearing music behind it. Mm, and and that could be tons of different kind of music from metal to bluegrass country, uh, garage fuzz, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, yeah. So to give a brief on how this episode is going to go down, um, this band came out in 2012 and already has... 15, Fifteen albums, 15 studio three of life. two or three of which are not on Spotify. I think only two. Two, two aren't on Spotify, and those two we're gonna maybe mention briefly, but we're not gonna play anything from. Right. Them. So, in order to not keep you here for three hours, we're going to take five minutes to sort of usher in each album, give our opinions on it. Uh, you know, some songs and stuff like that. Some of them may go over or under, mm-hmm. depending on uh, our level of care for the album. But um. It's really going to be structured, but it's also going to be easy to follow along. And uh, that's just for your own benefit, listeners. Um, so, yeah. Do we really have anything else to talk about? Um, I don't think I'm all right. All right. So we're going to start every album by playing a song from it. Uh, this is the first King Gizzard album, 12 Bar Brews, and this is Cutthroat Boogie. Yeah, so I, I, I should point out, as much as I was excited uh, to go into this band mm-hmm. and check out their stuff, um, I, I got to say, I kind of left feeling a little underwhelmed for the, with, with their whole discography. <sighs> so and we'll get to everything later. But Is this I'll, payback for me not listening to those two Alanis records? Uh, no. Okay. I'm just, just <laughs> saying my opinion. There's a lot that I did love leaving here, I will say. But there was some stuff that I was kind of, kind of iffy on or... Strip just didn't like. Um, 12 Bar Brews is kind of the ones I'm a little, I won't say iffy on, because I did overall like it, I think, but I don't know. It's just, I mean, it, it, I guess just some of the production choices kind of held it back mm, for me sometimes. Yeah. Uh, the keyboards, and especially, like, like, they were like really high pitched, screeching keyboards. Mm. And maybe I'm just an old man, but like, they were literally <laughs> about to like give me pain listening hmm. to. Nick. It's definitely raw production. It's definitely, uh, yeah. uh, most would label it lo fi. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I did kind of like that sound. It's kind of the the punky sound to it. Like mm-hmm. the, their songwriting didn't seem completely fleshed out um, on this record to me. But um, like the song you just played, that was easily my favorite. And, and there was definitely a lot of really. There was definitely it was definitely a nice take and kind of like the lo-fi, you know, modern garage indie punk. So and I did appreciate that. Yeah, Ben, do you have any knowledge of like? 
how the initial success of this record and and like where they went going from Australia onward because I mean this doesn't seem like the record that w- that came out and it's the debut that blows everyone away. This is definitely a band that kind of had to get into uh, their kind of mantra and and what they wanted to do. Yeah, I don't. I really don't know, honestly. Yeah. Um, it definitely you can feel them growing through these first four albums. I would like to say. Uh, about this album, I think that there are some really strong hooks in it. I really like a lot of the backing vocals, um, and I do feel that production comment that Andrew made, and we're going to get more into it later because it really started to weigh on me after like their third album. Sure. But the production does sometimes hold back some of the songs. It's really reverb heavy, really delay heavy, mm-hmm. like, and they mix vocals really low throughout a lot of their harder rocking albums, which mm-hmm. kind of hurts the songs. Yeah. And, it, and they always. Something I tend to know sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but a lot of times it gets repetitive to me. You the vocal they do use like these kind of these weird, like very spaced out reverby vocal effects yeah. too. And it's sometimes it's like I like them sometimes, but also a lot of times they tend to overuse it. What's it's, an example of when you like it versus when you don't like it? Um well hold that thought, we'll get okay. to it later. Sure. My overall impressions of this album was just that I, I looked at it as kind of uh, the proto project, you yeah, know, like I, I went at it as like these are kids coming together and making a garage rock album. Um, I mean, these guys are not much older than uh, us three sitting at this table right now. And the fact that they're already, you know, um, kind of the modern rock superstars uh, and, and they're kind of a household name almost is, is pretty impressive. But I... I, I kind of went into this album because I never discovered it, um, you know, before my initial listens for this episode. Uh, I went into it as like, okay, I'm not going into this expecting much. I'm going to expect the very core like concepts of what this band would become. Um, but uh, you know, I'm not going to go in expecting Nonagon Infinity. Um, my favorite tracks I really enjoyed, um, elb- uh, like the the singles like Muckraker and and I went on to like Cutthroat Boogie like you Andrew and. And, uh, you know, even Sea of Trees I enjoyed. Um, I thought it w- an interesting narrative is that the uh, just to go along with the lo-fi production that we're talking about, that the title track was actually recorded on iPhones. So a uh, little piece of yeah, just there. iPhones, just four <laughs> iPhones <laughs> yeah. in a room. Well, well with, with GarageBand now, you could, it, it's, it's not that crazy now to do nowadays. You're right. It's pretty You're viable. Right. Yeah. So. I, 2012, I, though. I liked... Um, Muckraker and uh oh, I called mom. Those are my favorite. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. All right. Do you have anything else you want to say? No, we're already good on time. We're, that was only four ten. So there we go. For once, we're actually <laughs> being timely. Yes. All, All right. right. The next album is Float Along, Fill Your Lungs. This is Head On Pill. It's sixteen minutes. We're not going to play that much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. That's like four of the albums. <laughs> Sitar on there. 
Um, they, they, they do sitar really well. They really went yeah. kind of raga rock with this next one. They they took a lot of the Indian elements that kind of like the Beatles took into their music, that sort of thing. Um, really spaced out some songs. Uh, just kind of built upon the foundation that the last one laid down, made it more psychedelic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, um, this is actually one of my favorite ones that I listened to. Probably my top three, I want to say. I Anyone who knows me knows I'm just a sucker for psychedelic rock, especially like mm-hmm. this kind. No I, doubt. I, so this was this is really great. I even love the, you know, the song you just play, even though it's like 60 minutes long. Right. I mean, it's just, it changes up quite a bit and just keeps layering itself. It's really cool. Let it let it be known today, folks, that Andrew Mullen enjoys long songs. Because <laughs> you make fun of me sometimes saying I don't, and it's just wrong. It is wrong. But, I understand. And Head on Pill is a perfect example of how to create a long song yes. that keeps you hooked the entire oh, time. Oh, absolutely. And I just I love how this record sounds, and they really, I mean, for me, if there is one sonic element, if there's one kind of like musical style and genre that is constant throughout their entire catalog, it is psychedelic. Yeah, psychedelia. So, it, so it is kind of cool to hear them, like just go just make just a psychedelic rock record, which yeah. kind of, which again, kind of does make it um, kind of like one, I guess, one of the more maybe possibly the most boring for me it's definitely not but mm-hmm. like one of the most straightforward possibly most boring record in their discography because of that for mm-hmm. me personally I, it's not a problem with me because I love this kind of music so I have a question for you Andrew how does uh, an album like this compare to some of your favorite psychedelic rock picks something like 13th Flower Elevators or something like you that you say 13th Flower Elevators I, the, dude Dave made fun of me for accidentally <laughs> saying Peart last week when we were talking about yeah, Neil Peart I know some people say that I, I just that's stumble not as bad words. as Ian Gilligan yeah yeah, okay. That was, that don't, was. don't bring that back up. I'm hiding that in my memory. But the question still stands. How does this compare to some of your favorite psychedelic oh, rock picks? I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I just listened to this yesterday. So I, <laughs> so I can't really um, get I, – I don't know how to – I can't really put that in accurate terms. But, no, mm-hmm. I mean, like, it, there's there's a lot of, like, you know, minor psychic bands. I love, like, Wooden Ships and Moon Duo. And honestly, mm-hmm. this is – honestly, I think this could fit up right, right up there with them. I, I love those bands. And this is this is, this is is a really – this fits right in with those sounds. And I think the quality of it also fits in there as well. How do you think King is, if they tried to revisit this um, musical soundscape, how could they revisit it and capitalize on it if they were to do something like this today? Um <sighs> – I don't know. I mean, I mean, Moon Duo is kind of get a little tiresome for me at times. So I mm. guess they would have to um, try to find another way to spice it up. I don't know how. Really, it's King Giz. They can prob- they'll figure <laughs> out some way. There's a million directions they'll pre- they could probably go with this, and it will work. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. That's just my. I mean, for me, I, I guess. Um, I mean, they could try to make it heavier. They can really go for because there's a couple. I can't remember which one. Maybe it was Mystery Jack. I could be wrong though. That they really went for like the full, like almost like Iron Butterfly, like hit, like late sixties heavy. Yeah, stuff. interesting. Yeah. So maybe they try to incorporate some of the stuff they did with Nigon Ni- Infinity or uh, Infest the Wrath Nest, which we'll talk about later. I could see that working really well. Hmm. I think that to the point of calling this a straight. Psychedelic rock record is mostly accurate, but not entirely, because something really weird that I found on this album that you don't really find anywhere else in any of these other 15 albums were some really strange soul touches on songs like I'm Not a Man Unless I Have a Woman and uh, Let Me Mend the Past. Mm. They, I know that at least at some point in their career they were recording at Daptone Records. I don't think they were yet. Um, that's a famous 
modern soul studio, but those songs are really kind of psychedelic soul, like kind of what the Temptations were doing at the end of the 60s. Hmm. And I found that really interesting to follow a song like Head on Pill with something that is just really straightforward pop number almost. The pacing of this entire album really did a lot of favors for me, you know, ushering you in and kind of foreshadowing what uh, King Giz is going to do in the future with these long songs, these kind of like, you know, kind of sending you on this epic journey. But then also how they chop it up into these just short, you know, two to four minute bits for the rest of this, uh, the album. It, it, it does, does a lot of favors. Of, yeah. It, although it does kind of feel like um, 2112 because, I mean, 2112, I feel maybe even famously feels a little top heavy and you have the long 20 minute epic and then mm-hmm. the rest just kind of feels like just stuff that was just lumped onto that sure know? sure so not not quite i don't think it's quite the case here because there's no epi- as far as i know there's no epic lyrical story with um with with head on pill no, no. so but it does musically it does kind of feel like that yeah and we're going to talk a lot about how king is paces their albums going forward and uh it's going to be an interesting combo but we are actually out of time for this album um we're just under four minutes but i wasn't recording for a minute so okay next up next up we have the album oddments uh and the song work this time which is as of this recording their biggest song Already right away, you're hearing this band starting to diverge away from that uh, proto-garage stuff that gave them their start, and now even delving into something like bedroom pop or like uh, bedroom like kind of uh, drone like soundscaping almost. But uh, Oddments is regarded as kind of the black sheep of the entire King Giz discography, and I, you know, uh, Andrew, would you disagree? Um, yes, and we'll get to the ones okay. I would consider later, but continue. Yeah, so. Um, Oddments is, <laughs> this is an odd uh, thing. A lot of but, odd. A lot of oddness, indeed. But Oddments to me is kind of King Giz's uh, version of uh, drinking some detox tea before going to bed <laughs> and kind of getting rid of all the bit odds and ends that kind of composed the first two proto albums and then after that going into something that's really worth remembering right um which it essentially is oddments being just uh, you know a bunch of uh uh songs that were kind of left behind and they kind of threw it together on an album yeah um but ben what was your first reaction yeah i mean it is kind of like they just took a big dump uh, and got the first last time to do it um i uh, there are songs on here that i definitely think are worthwhile i really like like songs like it's got old and stressing and uh, I think work this time is fine. Yeah. We have very differing opinions when it comes to some of these albums. Um, I don't think that it's necessarily a good album. I don't think it really works as a piece because it is just odds and ends. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there are some things that deserve to be released, so I'm glad it came out. Um, I 
I'm actually well. I really liked. Um, I really liked Hot Wax. The song Hot Wax. I was mm-hmm. almost uh-huh. excited because it was going to be a Beck cover, but it wasn't. Which is <laughs> fine because it's still a great song. Um, and I really actually liked the uh, instrumental opening. Aluda, whatever the fuck. How do you say that second word? Majaka. Majaka. Thank you. <laughs> sure. Um, and actually, so actually, I was actually really kind of fascinated about that. And if they had, to the point where I felt like if they had kept maybe the length of this album, I would have actually been interested in hearing like an instrumental, like full all instrumental record from them like in this in that kind of style I would have been interested to see what they could have done there um, beyond that there wasn't really much else that stood out to me I wasn't I really was not a fan of stress and I remember um, mm-hmm. and Vegemite was just weird it's the most Australian song I've ever heard <laughs> like men at works down under got it's got nothing on Vegemite um, <laughs> and for those keeping track that was the first time I did an Australian accent I think that's pretty good restraint on my part oh definitely but, um, yeah I mean yeah, I, I, I do kind of agree with you guys though I mean there really isn't a whole lot to kind of take from this record and it is does at times kind of feel thrown together but I do feel like it was a necessary record that needed to be made and kind of like the band's ver- uh, way of saying goodbye to their um, their roots as being a high school band jamming out in their friend's basement and then really taking on some big musical ambitions. Uh, and this is their way of just kind of kissing goodbye to that stage yeah. in their development as musicians. And I think, you know, you can kind of go back on this album and uh, look at it retrospectively and see the roots of this band and see where they come from and really get an idea of, you know, this band's only been around since 2012. That's eight years. You know, they're how far they've come in just those eight years is absolutely outstanding. Um, th- that's my final thoughts on Oddments. I agree with you guys, not the most solid piece. Um, you know, definitely something that can be worth s- skipping over, except for work this time, really, um, because it stands out as like a just a good composition in modern music. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that would be my final thoughts on it. Anything else to add? Yeah, it's it's worth going through maybe once to find the songs you like, pick them out, and skip it forever after that. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Damn. Yeah, you got to kind of do some digging and kind of pick through yeah. the rubble, right? But there are some maybe some gems that you'll find. Um, we're doing great. We're we're hitting about four minutes for each of these uh, first albums, right. and now it's going to start to get a little longer. Yeah, so we're getting heavier and headier. Uh, this is I'm in Your Mind Fuzz. The song is Slow Jam 1. actually my favorite song off of this record which is interesting because it's on the tail end of the record after the giant composition of uh i mean in your mind fuzz this kind of this is when king giz starts to do that famous um kind of tying the songs together to make it sound like one big long song um you know how it starts with i'm in your mind it just immediately launches you into this fuzzy kind of energized punchy guitars and you 
get the uh, the weird instrumentation that Stu mastered for this album, and all the way to the tail end of the of these songs that are kind of put together, uh, it sends you on a roller coaster. Um, that's my initial. Uh, going into this but uh andrew give your first impressions as well um yeah i again this is easily up there for me again with some of my favorite stuff i listen to um yeah um probably again hovering around um the what was the psychedelic one we called i forget there's too many albums fill your lungs fill your lungs thank you i'm sorry there's too many of these <laughs> album names to remember um no i actually I, I really i really like the sound of this i mean not well, you threw me off okay. now. We're, we're, we'll, we'll play out with uh, one of the heavier songs from this album, okay. since it's your favorite. Okay, we'll gotcha. Okay. Uh, where can I start again from? Just start talking again. I don't um, know where you were. I don't even know where I was either. Just, just, just go back to when I was like, Andrew, what's your first impressions? Just start yeah, the just start there. Okay. Yeah, I, I really like this record. Again, this is probably up there with some of the favorite stuff I listened to from this band. Um, I really liked the sound of this record. Um, not that you would have, I don't think you would have been able to get the impression of it from Slow Jam 1, which wasn't, which I liked, but wasn't up there for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like just this, because it still keeps a lot of that psychedelic elements, but it's like, re- but it's a little heavier. It's a lot, like, it's a lot spacier of an atmosphere, and it's just drew this driving, you know, pulse to it almost at times, mm-hmm. and it has kind of that spacey um, element to it, and I really appreciated it for that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's just, I don't know how much to say from there because I think you just need to kind of listen for yourself with this one. Um, uh, I really like the title tracks because there's kind of like this. I'm in your mind. I'm not in your mind. <laughs> I'm in your mind. But if you, I like. I mean, you, you can definitely pick a laugh from there. That was really fun. The the one and I do like how they tie stuff together as mm-hmm. far as the records. I do like that. Um, however, and I think it's really the. Honestly, this is a personal. The one, nip, the one issue I will say I have with this record, and it's kind of a nitpick, and it's kind of a personal issue. I will admit, and it's really only an issue that they do here on your mind fuzz. But I don't like how they break up songs in some ways. Like you said, mm-hmm. they do tie songs together, but like for like I'm in your mind and I'm not in your mind, they're basically the same riffs. They sound kind of like the same songs. Yeah. And when they sli- slice them together, it just felt really unnecessary and kind of annoying. And yeah. again, it's not like much of an issue. To me, like and listening to the record because I just go through it. Mm-hmm. But for someone like me, who, who, as much as I like listening to albums in their f- fullness, I love listening to my library on shuffle and seeing what comes up. Right. And having stuff broken up like that is pretty annoying. It's like if they took Bla- Black Hole Sun and like chopped it up after the, the first bridge. You know? Oh yeah. It, it feels kind of feels really unnecessary for me. And granted, they would better utilize that I think going forward on stuff like Master of uh, Murder, Murder the Universe, and mm-hmm. Nonagon Infinity. But on here, it just kind of feels half-assed and kind of annoying in my Definitely. personal opinion. And I think I, I can totally see where you're coming from because it's, you know, it's the first experience of them kind of doing the song tying uh, exercise. And the way they kind of cut it up is a little weird because I've had that problem where I want to listen to it on shuffle and it'll just like cut out at the worst parts right where it picks up. I mean, my favorite I want to ask you if there's a favorite moment on this album in terms of production because I think they really flex their production muscles on this one and it's this part in I'm in your mind where everything kind of shrinks down and it's like it's really fuzz but the drums are still going and Mm. everything just gets muted kind of it sounds like you're covering your speakers up with like foam Mm. you know what I'm talking about that's like my favorite part on this entire album like I use this song for like you know, running. I think it's the greatest like workout album to put on. And right there is when I get into like, uh, you know, just 
you know, the ketosis mode, like just feels like you're running and in, for infinity, mm-hmm. like right when that moment hits, that's when it happens for me. And it's so exhilarating. But uh, Ben, go ahead. Uh, I really loved the two slow jams. I thought they were awesome. Um, I like the opening track as well, although I feel like it might have run a little long, but that's just personal preference. I'm really probably the le- the lowest amount of long song fan in this room, mm. actually. Um so yeah, I, I think it's a really good album and really cohesive <laughs> and I'm just trying to go quickly because I know we're running out of time. It's okay. We're only ten seconds over. Okay. So, so you can flex the time just a little bit. Yeah. Next up we are going into a completely different direction. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> this no. is the album Paper Mache Dream <sighs> Balloon and the song is Bone. This is really the first time we see the band taking a musical concept and making that the concept of their album. Um, They sort of did it with tying the songs together uh, with I'm In Your Mind, Fuzz, um, but they really do it here with Paper Mache Dream Balloon by recording the album almost entirely on acoustic instruments. So you very rarely hear electric, lots of acoustic guitar, uh, just regular pianos, great, great drumming on this album too. what did you think of this album, Michael? <laughs> no, you and I, Ben, both agree that this is a, this is a top pick, pick for both of us. I love the take on acoustic instrumentation on this, especially on songs <laughs> like Trapdoor, where you're bringing in elements of flute, where you're not going to hear that on a, a typical acoustic record, right? <laughs> Andrew's giving me these dirty looks. Um, but yeah, my I love the songs like uh, like Trapdoor, Dirt, Bone, all the all the singles off this one, even the title track, and, and towards the end of it, Time equals fate, everything like that. It, it, it really was a standout piece for me. And, and what a diversion you can make going from mind fuzz to something like this. That takes a lot of musical balls to do. It, right? I, I, I definitely agree. It does <laughs> take some musical balls. Um, yeah, I am definitely up there with these guys on this one um, as far as this being my top picks. Quite frankly, I don't even know what I think about this album. It is, it is, don't shake your head at me. Listen, I, I I don't know. Like I was really, I was just like kind of. I looked at this album cover. I'm like, what am I gonna get into with this thing? It looks like the Loving Spoonful. God, it's like, gorgeous. It like the look. It does look like a Loving Spoonful. Well, let's album take cover. a second to talk about like his King Giz album artwork for a second because this is one of your favorite pieces. right? Easily, yeah. Easily, I, I love how King Giz puts their album artwork together and and it, it makes a point to make sure that the entire name is on each one of the albums. Yes, and I, and I do, and I do. I actually did like the the, the album artwork for In Your Mind Fuzz and mm-hmm. Murder the Universe which yeah. is probably my favorite thing about Murder I think the yeah the album artwork is always very like when you go from something like I'm In Your Mind Fuzz to this album you know that it's going to be something entirely different mm-hmm. uh, and it really these claymation figurines it looks like a someone's model train set or something <laughs> like it, it's it's insane it's, it's beautiful it's anyways crazy. back to the music um, <laughs> I don't 
listen, it's fine. Like, it's, maybe it's a little too cheery for me. That's my. It might just be a personal thing. I am kind mm-hmm. of a. I have a black hole for heart sometimes. So mm-hmm. perhaps it's just didn't vibe well with me. But uh, I mean, I, the flute is a perfectly fine instrument. <laughs> It's just, it got, like, especially the way it was used on this, all I can think of, why am I in a renaissance fair right now? It is, <laughs> this is just too much. Not feeling it. And it also had a really weird start because when I looked at this, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get 70s bubblegum cheese. That's what I'm expecting with this. Hmm. And when it's in the first song sent, it was oddly very jazzy. I'm like, okay, this is not at all what I expected. And right. then it went into bone. And then it was like, complete, then it kind of went into a direction that mm-hmm. kind of fit the album artwork. I'm like, mm-hmm. Okay, why did and it was like the only song that was like that. I just thought it was a really weird way to start the album. Um, I quite liked the the middle of the record though. I like Cold Cadaver, Bitter Boogie. That was probably my favorite one from this. Yeah. And uh, Bloodstain. Those were my favorite. Also, because that's when the flute is the least annoying. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was not really like the, I, I could probably probably only take a handful of songs from this that I actually would say I enjoyed. This was not really for me. I'm not saying I need everything to be heavy and super psychedelic, um, which we'll get to later. Because there's a record that was also sound very 70s influenced that I. I actually really liked. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about later, but yeah, this one was just not for me. Ben, you got one minute to defend yourself. Okay. <laughs> um, I can understand why someone wouldn't like this, but this is really goes into that like super sounds of the '70s territory, very like '70s AM stuff, like bread, um, stuff that is really thing. cheesy, stuff that hasn't really aged well, stuff that you find in thrift store bins mm-hmm. and antique stores, and it's all stuff that I love no matter how stupid it sounds now and that's why i really like this record this is my favorite king gizzard record <laughs> uh, was, you can have that opinion if you're insane and it was recorded mostly in a shipping container uh on a farm was it really it, it, yeah it was on Stu's parents yeah. farm in a shipping container that's where well, most of it yeah. was recorded this record makes a lot of sense now I don't know. If, if I'm going to sum up my last opinions of it, it's worth checking out. Um, it's it's definitely like this weird, you're putting this in between Mindfulness and, and Nonagon. So it's like, what's this thing in between here? And the, and after the success of I'm in your Mindfuzz, this is the point where everyone's like, oh, this is that King Giz band? Like, what? what? <laughs> this is not what it was described to me. Yeah. You know? It's, this, is, this is like the most, this is probably the biggest like genre jump. Uh, yeah. At this point, so yeah. people would at this point people were just kind of like, "What the fuck?" And then by the time you get to the next record, Nonagon, they'd be like, "Oh, I kind of get what this band does now. They just they don't stick with anything." All right, now we're going into the King Giz staple. Yeah, so this is Nonagon Infinity, a record famous for being an endless loop. So we're going to start with the end of the final track, Road Train, and that's going to transition into the opening track, Robot Stop, and you'll probably not even be able to hear that it's transitioning. Something I do want to point out, because it's just looking at the album artwork. I just noticed in the album artwork for Nonagon, it's actually like the bottom part of it is like the hand, the posts, like the hand posts from the um, the post of the hand from a uh, um, in your mind fuzz. Look at that, because it's like right oh, behind the symbol. Right. Yeah, I just noticed that. That's so, crazy. Huh. 
I mean, that's just there. There you go. Another example of King Giz artwork just coming in the full storm. But okay, this is the album, right? This is the one that you look at and you'll see it in a record store, up a giant poster of it in your favorite record store, or you'll see it on your buddy's phone, him playing it. This is the King Giz album that everyone recognizes, and this is the trademark sound, really. Mm-hmm. Um, ben, start us off real quick. Um, yeah, this was... So I got into them through that music video, and this was the album that I first listened to. And it's definitely a fantastic record, and it's a... I would like to point out that it's a really interesting concept, and it's also basically a useless concept, mm. because you're not going to want to... Well, this album is good enough, you might want to. But <laughs> generally speaking, you're not going to want to loop one album over and over again, so you're never really going to notice the fact that it can perfectly loop. But it's a really interesting idea, and to have an entire album that's one song, I mean, Jethro Tull did it first. <laughs> oh my god. But, um, Whatever. But <laughs> <laughs> was speaking of flute. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. But it's a good, it's a great record, it's really heavy. It really is. Uh, it really rocks, and it really shows the path that they were going to take um, in the future with some detours. I knew right away, because Andrew's first album hearing was Infest the Rat's Nest, which is way later. But I knew when he was going to go back to this that he was going to like this album. What is your favorite spot on this album? So, well, first of all, yeah, you you, you were, like, really hyping this one up. I remember mm-hmm. it's like, if you really like the, like the metal stuff on uh, Infest the Rat's Nest, you really like this. And honestly, as much as I did like I. I you, you said your Vesper Assassin's was probably still my favorite, but I'm not too sure after listening to this. No one. way. Because here's the thing. Because this was basically is like kind of like a metal record. It's not quite as thrashy, which, of course, mm-hmm. is my favorite genre of metal. But what I really like is they really kind of took some interesting steps and directions. They did add. I did hear some flute on this, but I was fine with it, actually. And this <laughs> one wasn't that annoying. That's Again, crazy. I don't hate the flute. Not, it's, not, <laughs> it's not like the cowbell for me, which right, is like right. instant, like... Just ick factor, mm-hmm. but um, but it also, also had like a lot of harmonica, which I know you don't like, Michael. But, <laughs> but I it love does it, it for on me this. on this. Yeah. I love it on this. Tasteful it's just like I never heard harmonica used with something this heavy, so it's just really cool to hear. And they was all like a lot of like Arabian style, like like you know licks in here, oh, yeah. and you know um, a lot of sitar as well. Um, it, it just especially in the song Robot Stop, which is one of the greatest things I've ever heard. Like that's amazing. Like when I first heard that, it's like oh, this is why he's event loving. This is just <laughs> awesome. They just kept throwing shit at that, and it was just really cool and um you mentioned um within your mind fuss kind of tying everything together mm-hmm. i thought it was done better here because they did have to kind of like the idea of let's just make this an endless soup which i thought that was kind of a nice touch but yeah. um it's still kind of annoying me between robot stop and um big fig wasp because they are kind of again essentially the same riff the same song so again it just felt a little weird but most of the other songs differ from each other so when it does kind of like feed into the next one it doesn't like hurt me it doesn't bother me that much when I think about shuffling it so yeah yeah it, it just it doesn't it's just like a really I really like how they make this an endless a seamless you know listening experiencing and mm-hmm. it just kind of takes you on just this crazy journey through different sounds but it all kind of ties into really awesome fuzzy really heavy music and I loved it yeah I mean you're talking about a musical journey right and when you hear when you're hearing something like a concept like this where it's like oh it's an album that's looping and here's this sound of it when we're presenting it like it's a really heavy album but it has its dynamics on a song like Mr. Beast it slows down a lot and you know you kind of get a sense of uh you know, comparing that to my favorite track, Gamma Knife, um, it's night and day, really. Um, but it still has its unique flavor and personality. And uh, there's a reason why this album stands as the the pick, you know. Mm. Um, that would be my final thought on it. I do have one question, and yeah. it kind of goes off of this one, thinking about, okay, you had 
um, paper mache balloon before, and then you have <laughs> this thing. Um, and you later on go out and pass the rats and ass and fishing for fishies. What the hell are their live shows like? Because imagine like someone like like they start playing Planet B and it's right. just mosh pit opens up and it's like okay next and they play Bone off of paper mache the balloon. Everyone's just like, what the that's fuck? A, that's an I interesting know question. What, do you know? I I really don't. Which is why we need to see them. They're coming pretty soon in April, oh, I believe, twenty fifth, I think. Yeah, we it, need what, to go what, see what them. What day is that? Like what day of the week is that? Uh, we're gonna look it up after this episode. Uh, um, that is for sure. Okay. It was um, my birthday yesterday. My parents almost got tickets for mm-hmm. King Giz, but now I have the money to buy it on my own. So next, so we have the 2017 albums mm-hmm. next, right? Right. Um, I think before we start, kind of start talking about each one, we should just kind of talk about the fact they released five albums in one year. Oh yeah. We really should cover that, shouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How fucking crazy is that? Um, I was watching a video that kind of is a you know a retrospective of King Giz up to the fourth out of the five albums that they were released in the 2017 that was like the date it was released mm-hmm. and it's like what artist does that besides Buckethead <laughs> you know oh, yeah. you know who releases you know 20, 30 albums a year or something yeah. like that um, <laughs> yeah. but or Ty Siegel right when have you ever heard someone putting back you know back to back really good classic records since like the 70s with like Black Sabbath mm-hmm. or like um, I think didn't Metallica release two in the same year? Um, I don't think Load and Reload were in the same year. Okay. But, like, you know, it's very rare that you can do it this. Is. And I want to know, um, I want to know, like, what those recording sessions were like. Because yeah, the albums it, are so different. Yeah. Um, and I can I can tell you why it probably isn't, doesn't happen very often. It's mm-hmm. because, uh, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll put it this way. Um, and this is where, really, I hate a snack with this band. Because mm-hmm. what I notice with this, with this stuff is... They really seem to like quantity over quality quite a bit here because hmm. Hmm. I really wasn't a big fan of any of these records. And it really? sounded like I, I kind of like the, the, the fourth one released this year. It was mm-hmm. a polygony wall or whatever the fuck. <laughs> we'll get to say it. it. But yeah, honestly, everything, a lot of this, a lot of these albums kind of felt thrown together or like half-baked ideas that were, that were thought up in some sort of like stoner fever dreams that they decided, mm. hey, you know what? Hey, you know what, man? We should make a jazz infused music record. Let's just do that. And they slapped together in 10 minutes. You know, it, 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 and, and on that awesome. note, let's transition into we'll, our first we'll, we'll, album. We'll get into it. But I just, my my, my thought, pro, well, I'll, I'll finish it later. But yes, <laughs> All right. let's just go into the first So one. the first of five albums in one year, this would be, uh, the song is Billabong Valley. The album is Flying Microtonal Banana. Outlaws on the run That was my favorite song off of this track. Or, uh, sorry, after, <laughs> off. <laughs> Fuck. That, my favorite it. song out of this song was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, dude, hey, that kind of works with this band. This episode is does. so fast paced, man. I'm like, I'm, my brain is going mile a minute. No, I but, love it. Okay, Flying Microtonal Banana, right? Out of the five albums that got released in 2017, I'll say it right now, my favorite has always been Polygon of Wanaland. But 
studying for this episode, I developed a deep appreciation for what this album is and the idea behind it. This is another example of King is kind of doing something like they did on uh, Paper Mache Dream Balloon, where they're taking a musical concept and turning it into the thematic uh, presentation of the album. So what they're doing on it, as it says in the title, is using microtones, which are basically those pitches you'll find in between the notes on in the chromatic scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's essentially when you divide an octave uh, into 24 parts mm-hmm. instead of 12. Right. And from just a quick side note for anyone, just go look up like microtonal instruments because like microtonal guitars or pianos um like they're insane. There's like twenty seven thousand frets on these guitars. Yeah, you it's basically crazy. you look at a keyboard and there's like t- literally like thousands of buttons on these things. It's, mm-hmm. it's, they're insane. And um, yeah, you don't typically find microtonal music very often, in, especially in like more popular music. Because in westernized music. Yeah, especially yeah, westernized music. You're mm-hmm. right because we we kind of have the same you know the chromatic scale like you said. It's mm-hmm. it is not very accessible, especially for like kind of you know people who are so used to that scale. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna. Get get a taste of that right from the uh, the starting track rattlesnake it, repetitive as all hell i think it's a amazing track <laughs> you would disagree though uh yeah okay so here's the thing so this is I, I like the idea of doing a microtonal record and i'll say this certainly better than the black flag microtonal ep mm. that's not saying much because that ep was garbage um but it, listen i like i like the idea of it but again i just don't think the songwriting really fits with me i don't think it just it it's just a lot of it just felt like it was kind of like an autopilot. Like you said, like Rattlesnake, very repetitive, kind of annoying, really just never got out of a gear, like a second gear for me. And it just kind of. But that's the just, one track on the entire record that does that. I mean, it is. It is true. And I'm not saying that's indicative of the whole record. There are songs I like. I really like Open Water and Sleep Drifter. Like the, those two songs Sleep Drifter is without a doubt one of my faves. Yeah, it, those two together is fantastic. But like everything else just, just kind of forgetting, was really forgetful, to, really forgettable to me. And. Honestly, I really don't have much else to say because okay. I just was really bored I throughout this. I so hardly disagree. I think the reason why this album may have seemed uh, off-putting to you at first is because it's not a, a traditional rock album. And it's and, and you're going to hear that in the way it was composed. Um, it's very Middle Eastern. It's very uh, not what we're used to hearing. On a song like, I think it's uh, uh, Doom City. It kind of closes with these giant, uh, loud horns that, was also that a kind really of good pierce your ears, but in the best way possible. Yeah. <laughs> All right, it's it, it, it's so great, and it kind of blows the uh, the spe- the speakers on your headphones. And and the title track, I believe, is um, an amazing competition mm-hmm. to um, melting. I enjoyed that as well. Um, I don't know what can you say to back me up, Ben, because um, you like this one, right? Yeah, I I, I would say that this is. At the very least, it's a good album to scratch a certain itch that you might not usually have. Uh, I was sitting out in the hall. I was doing my notes page for this episode. Which is amazing, by the way. You should, <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll scan it. Our, our photo drawings. for this one needs to be Ben's note page. Yes. Well, that, actually, <laughs> we should do that, actually. <laughs> so uh, I was sitting out in the hallway here in Moore, and I was working on my notes. And by this point, I'd just gotten through Nonagon Infinity, kind of re-listening that, refreshing myself, and I was just really tired. You know, it was, it was one of those feelings where you just start getting tired of listening to music. Mm-hmm. And this album, for all it is really broke me out of that and made me excited to listen to more music because it's really like nothing else you've ever heard. And it does to 
the lay person, maybe it would sound as if it was out of tune because you're hearing pitches that you usually don't hear, but it's all purposeful and it's all, uh, I really like when they take these musical concepts and run with them. And while the songwriting maybe isn't the best, I would tend to agree with that. Uh, I think that it's at least worth it just to hear something you haven't heard before. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Honestly, for me, I okay, I do like the idea of doing a microtonal album. Mm-hmm. Although they just, the Zika said the songwriting just really back it up. For me, this, would have, this should have been an EP. I don't think it needed to be a full length. If they mm-hmm. had just kept like That's Open Water, idea. Sleep Drifter, Snoom City, and Nuclear Fusion, which are my favorites, yeah. the ones that actually stood out to me, yeah, I'd be like totally much more comfortable with this. But as it stands, yeah, it's like they were trying to fill it out. Maybe because, and call me crazy, they were trying to write five albums that year. You may be right. Speaking mm. of that, oh, let's okay. move on oh, to God. the second. I got some things to say about this. The album. second of the five albums. Uh, this is Murder of the Universe, and the song is The Lord of Lightning. Jesus Christ. Okay, we might we might allow a little extra time here because <laughs> Andrew's about to go off. Uh, yeah. Um, for the record, uh, this is easily one of the worst things I heard from this band. This record, I found pretty bad. Um, <laughs> there were parts I liked about it. I, I mean, for, first of all, I should start off. This is this was a concept record. Mm-hmm. There's three parts to this. Each tell separate, completely separate stories. Um, but there's a lot of narration going on with it. Lo- the song. This is the strongest song time they've ever done. You really like. So you can't you can't listen to one of these tracks by themselves. It's just yeah. impossible. You have to listen to each parts together, which I actually like. Again, with, with concept records, I think they can get away with that kind of stuff more. That and the narration and whatnot. <laughs> My God, by 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 the act three, I wanted this to be over. I was so bored because the first two acts are, they have the same narrator and they, they the music sounds so similar. And I kind of liked the vocal effects they were doing, like I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. But by then, I was just like, wow, I'm really tired of this. They're just doing these same vocal effects. They're doing these almost these, these same kind of like guitar sounds. Almost they almost sound similar riffs, and it's like. I know Stop how, it. how many how many times can you hear Stu's like trademark? Oh, oh. and then it, yeah. and then it cuts into a rapid alter. Like, <laughs> that really does great. happen a lot. Yeah, <laughs> but I want some extra time because, gosh, just just just, just, just <laughs> get a load of these concepts. So I'm reading straight from the Wikipedia page. So. Take this with a grain of salt. Maybe that's not exactly what the band had in mind. Right. But let's look at this. The first chapter, The Tale of the Altered Beast, explores themes of temptation and tells a human who stumbles into a mythical human-beast hybrid dubbed the Altered Beast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the story starts with the pursuit of the human being who slowly takes an interest in the idea of being altered, something considered taboo in human in the human society. The perspective then changes to the altered beast itself, who filled with murderous intentions, confronted by the beast, eventually they combine, they die, and melt into the earth. Um, I call this the pretentious uh, concept, the pretentious chapter. Uh, the second chapter, the Lord of Lightning versus Balrog. Focuses- Balrog. That's, that's Balrog. Lord of the Rings right there, man. Yeah. Oh, oh, well, then I That's some rush shit. Um, focuses on a battle between two entities of the Lord of Lightning and Balrog. 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 I don't... Whatever. (laughs) Don't get on my shit, dude. Who represents the forces of light and darkness, respectively. The chapter starts with a forward from the perspective, whatever. So the action begins with the track 
The Lord of Lightning, which is about general destruction caused in a town by a lightning by lightning fired from the entity's fingers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's awesome. It's so stupid. That sounds badass from it's what you're insane. reading to me. No, but I don't know what you're picking up on. The Lord chooses to fight the Balrog and confronts him, eventually having him a burning corpse. The Lord of Lightning immediately departs. I Let me that. take the third one. The corpse. Please, you know the, what? go ahead. Please. The read third, it. the third disc <laughs> is Han Tiumi and the Murder of the Universe, um, and basically what happens is uh, a cyborg pukes uh, endlessly until the universe is full of puke, and, and then it and gets murdered. Doesn't exist anymore. What the fuck does any of that mean? You ever read H.P. Lovecraft? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's pretty much that. Okay, shit. <laughs> um, so the first one was the first chapter was pretentious. The second chapter was just corny, cornball, and awesome. pointless. Yeah, coming awesome. from the guy who listens to power metal. Oh, shut that's up! Very true. It's, I was going to bring up Manowar. Uh, okay, okay, but, but they're trying to take this seriously though. Power no. metal—that is so not true. Have you seen? Oh, please, so not true. They, they, they called this a concept record to end all concept records, which was true because I consider this the death of the concept album, and the third record and the third part. It just made no fucking sense at all. Um, and you might be thinking, well, you can just ignore the lyrics and listen to the music. No, it's a concept record. The whole thing is supposed to center around the concept. There's narration throughout the whole thing. Um, yeah, was not a fan of this one. You're just off base. I, the it, the music video for Lord of Lightning is all of them playing in the woods. Like they I are don't not, care! They aren't taking this seriously, though. That's what. That's where you're wrong. Oh, God. The... the Themes might seem heady, but when the third chapter of the story is of just a cyborg puking all over the place, I really don't think they're taking it that seriously. Okay, fair, but also I should I should point out like power metal is like way over the top to a point where you know I don't really get that. And with how pretentious that first chapter was, come on, like I it it does strike a lot. Like the cornball really stands out in a really negative way. I mean, can it be as pretentious as remember when we got the, when we went CD dollar bin? Yeah, oh, that, and we oh, found God. that. One that like walking in the snow Still. and like going into I mean, a dream that's state. Not the same, yeah, that's on the same fucking level. So same level. Yeah, same really? level of pretentiousness. That oh first chapter. Oh my god! At least there's symbolism in the first chapter of this. Like that one wasn't even close in my mind. It's I, it's just. I agree with you. This is a heavy. It's a it's an intense listen. It's it, it like going through it. You have to want something like it's this, too right? long. Yeah. It's way too long. Yes. And it, it just got by the third act. I just wanted to be over. Like, I was done with it. And I was at least appreciative. They kind of changed up the, the rhythm of the music and they, and they got a different, had a different way of narrating everything. Mm-hmm. But then there's just the stupid come bonkers, completely just ridiculous concept behind it. Just threw me all away from it. Can you, can you see a musical direction that would have complimented the concept? Well, the music, the music itself. I mean, if they, they had like, took more time to actually made everything sound different from each other I think if would have been better I, I like the sound the the production I thought was fine I mm-hmm. like the sound of it it's just the the, the the writing was just like both lyrically and with the concepts and kind of ex, an execution with an execution with them plus just a really repetitive songwriting with the music really just just like I, I texted you, it really just sucked the life force out of me. I know, which I didn't. I it didn't murdered understand. my universe. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Well, so um, not the worst one to listen to. Only the second worst. Speaking of the worst a- one, a- Andrew's least favorite album from this period. <laughs> um, here it comes. Oh. This is Rolling Stone from Sketches of Brunswick East, which also features another artist who we will talk about for a second.
so that was just a little a little taste sweet taste of rolling stone from <laughs> sketches of brunswick east which say what you will about it it has their best album cover i lied the last one is not their best album cover this is their best it's all done practically it's all done with like like collage and paper mache and it's in three dimensions it's That's just a dope. picture it's it's really well constructed it's an art piece um this is their kind of Elevator Muzak kind of jazz album. <laughs> Andrew looks like he really... Are you, are you getting flashbacks to Kenny G? <laughs> really wants to talk about it. Yeah. So I'll let you guys go first. I'll okay. let you guys go first. Go, go ahead. Uh, and for the record, I, I keep uh, a copy of Kenny G's Breathless in my car. So. <laughs> I hate you both so much. <laughs> All right, look. Um, as a person who appreciates jazz and likes listening to it, uh, this album did a lot for me, and I, I did like the collaboration with Mild High Club. I don't listen to that artist by them. Is it a band or a... It's, it's a band, but it's just one guy. Okay. I, I don't listen to the guy uh, by himself a lot. I should get into it, though. But I appreciate this album for what it is, and um, that track, Rolling Stone, uh, I mean... That fills a certain void for me and like me wanting to pretend to be a stoner for some reason, <laughs> like having those dreams where it's like, yeah, let, let's put myself in this shoes for a second. Um, but also just like uh, the spider in me. I love that one. Uh, Dust to Dawn <sighs> on Ligon Street did a lot for me. I and and say what you will. You can listen to this in an elevator, but I think it can come up in different periods in your life as well. All right, Andrew. <laughs> I mean, you're right. It could. I mean, I, I think there are legitimate uses for this. I can think of this using as a sleeping aid, for instance. I could, um, if, if, if I want background music and I don't actually want music in the background, but I want at least some noise, there's better options for that than this, but why not? Go ahead. Suit your case. Um, yeah, uh, when you said this was like the, the like the Muzak record, the elevator music yeah, record, I, I was knew like, you were I, to I, get into it. part of me was like thinking, okay. Michael can't be serious. Like, it's just a way to kind of describe the vague taste of it. And then, th- honestly, the intro track of it was actually, okay, I really wasn't getting it. It was pretty jazzy. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right. I mean, again, it wasn't, I knew this wasn't going to really be my thing, so I'm not, I respect jazz, but it's not really my genre. Mm-hmm. And then Countdown came on. I literally started gut-busting laughing because I realized <laughs> this is literally elevator music. They yeah. literally made an elevator music record. <laughs> they did. <laughs> and it's terrible. I, what do you want me to say? It's an elevator music so record. You, you, so now you can admit, you really think this is a band that takes themselves seriously. No, I never. T- <laughs> they they took they tried to take themselves. It sounded like they're trying to take themselves seriously on the last record. You would be wrong, <laughs> but th- there's it, nothing it, wrong it, with it. It came like across that. that way sometimes, especially for that first half. I'm I'm done talking about that record. I'm, I want to destroy this piece okay. of shit. Um, I'm I mean I'm sorry. What, what do you want me to say? Well, it's supposed to be that way. They wanted to make no. Shut up. I don't care. I forget. There's a YouTuber. I don't know who. I don't remember who said this, but I think it's very apt for the situation. Hmm. You you can smear a turd across a canvas and call it art. And I'll say, you know what? Good. More power to you. If that's what you want to make, go right ahead. This doesn't change the fact that there's literally shit smeared on a canvas. And just because it's supposed to sound that way doesn't mean it's going to be good. That doesn't, make it, that doesn't automatically excuse it, okay? It, it's, it, it's, it's Muzak. Of course, it's not straight Muzak sounding, of course. I mean, there is some nice twinges of, like, I don't want to say jazz fusion, but kind of like, you know, some really like, smooth jazz to it, which is honestly like my least favorite form of jazz that I've mm-hmm. ever heard. Well, Except maybe Jazz Fusion, but hmm. yeah, it, it this just thoroughly bored me. Like, by, like I was honestly just laughing the entire time at how bad and ridiculous this concept was. But um, by the end, I was just like, 
my god, I'm going insane. Just let this finish. I, I was literally like, had to keep reminding myself, I'm listening to elevator music right now. What in my life led me to this point where I have to be listening to this? Um, Inviting I, me on as your co-host, bro. Yeah, I suppose. Um, I mean, D-Day, I guess, was fine. A text Tessetta was kind of interesting. I, the book was also kind of interesting as well. They were like the least elevatory of this thing. Um, yeah, this is the worst one. And um, will not ever revisit it. There is no point for me to. So that's all I'm going to say. Hmm. And although I do say, like I said earlier, this just does feel like they were like, they, they, like this is really indicative, I think, of their time period where they're just coming up with half-baked ideas, like, it, like while they were smoking weed or something. It's like, dude, bro, you know what'd be crazy what we did, man? Let's just make an elevator music record. So I don't know. I'm, I I can't b- completely back up the idea just because it is a collaboration record. There had to be some planning behind I've, that. Oh, then there was then there was a, then there was a spoken session with. This Mile High Club band I or think, whatever the hell. I think that while it's probably valid to say that this is their worst record, I wouldn't necessarily put it that way. I think that they have an interesting way of doing things in the way that, like, so before before the Rolling Stones put out Exile on Main Street, they put out Jamming with Edward, which was just a bunch of blues jams that they did while they were waiting for Keith Richards to show up uh, during those sessions. And I really like... Now... Uh, in modern music, it's kind of looked at as every album is essential. Like, this this is our new album, and it has to be perfect, and it has to follow up our last one and do way better than it, and it has to build on our sound. And I really like this idea of being able to t- step back and take an album and just say, hey, we're going to try this, and maybe it'll work, and maybe it won't. And You know what? And I, what I will extend to you is that, yes, I mean, in the age of streaming, that's fine because you don't you don't have to pay for shit. You don't have to pay for mm-hmm. music, so you can just throw this up, and it's not really going to be, especially when you're getting five albums the same year, which is still ridiculous to me. But it, yeah, you're right. I mean, it gives them more leeway to try silly shit like this. Other, which I'm glad we live in the age of streaming because I was if I was a huge fan of this band, if they released this and I paid you know ten bucks for it, I went home and I got music, I would feel insulted, you know. So, Andrew. You painted the perfect transition because this next record we're talking about is absolutely free. Oh my God, you're right! <laughs> Polygon de Wanaland. Thank and you. This is the and song Crumbling Castle. Without a doubt, we are about to talk about my favorite King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard album, Polygon and Wanaland. Um, this is their take. Wait, overall or just from this year? Overall. Oh, wow. Overall, this is my favorite record. Um, this is their take on prog rock, um, kind of mixing it up with their usual um, garage and psychedelic tinges. Um, the first King Giz song I really ever listened to on repeat was Horology. And then from there, going to a song like The Fourth Color, going back up to the top of the list to Crumbling Castle, which is what you just heard. I love this band's take on progressive rock. And the production on this album is so, 
so good. It comes to you in waves of different instrumentation. One minute you're hearing this awesome guitar lick, and then in the next wave you're hearing this repetitive bass come in that's perfectly toned. You got drums coming in from in each ear. The production is absolutely amazing. Um, a lot of critics will say it can be a little dry at times in, um, in the way the songs are composed. The songwriting may not be top-notch, but when you listen to a song like The Fourth Color, I really can't help but say this is, without a doubt, the, the strongest King Giz album, um, at least for me. But um, you had a, you were, you liked this one. You said this was your favorite out of the 2017s. Right? I, you yeah, agree this was you. easily the best one on 2017. Although I'm not gonna say that it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I mean, I, I do like the production. I really liked Crumbling Castle. Maybe a little repetitive at some times, but no, I really. I, I mean, I, I thought it was done kind of effectively though, and like something like Rattlesnake. Um, this was it was just a really great epic way to start off the record again. Mm-hmm. Makes it feel kind of top heavy, but not really. Um, but again, you know, again, and I, I have to say, maybe because they tried to make too many albums in this year. I mean, there's, I still find a lot of filler on this record. The least amount of filler out of all the records this year. But I don't know. It's just, again, nothing. There was just, for me, like, honestly, and, and this is where I'm going to come. I, I'm going to make this point now. Um, they tried to do too much that year, I think. There was just, when I, 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 I like the idea of microtonal banana and they could have made that something really good and I think that would have been if they had just put more time to focusing on that mm-hmm. this could have been uh, probably this. I could easily see this for, for me being their best record one, at least one of their best mm-hmm. if they hadn't put more time into it but instead there's just like you said there are a lot of songs that feel kind of dry that feel just kind of like there they're just filler mm-hmm. and to me I don't know I just feel like if they had put if they had just you know not decided to take a break making Muzak or whatever the hell or writing bullshit like Masters of the Universe they could have actually put that time and actually made this record made this record really good but instead it's just kind of okay because they just they went went for quantity over quality I think that uh, I, yeah it's, it's definitely not one of my favorites I really I like the more offshoot stuff um I do like it a lot, and what I really like and what I really wanted to talk about with this record is the idea that it came out and it was free. I'm not sure of the legality, but I'm pretty sure this album is just public. It's open source. It's public domain or open source. Yeah. Um, so they they gave all the masters away for free. They gave the vinyl masters away for free. So mm-hmm. according to Wikipedia, at the time at which they announced their own label releasing it, um, this album was released by 88 labels in eight, uh, 188 different variants oh all over the world. God. Yeah. So, so imagine trying to collect all variants I know, like, of this there, there are, like, Imagine being like, because our vinyl collectors like, I have to have all the pressings. Imagine being a Kid Giz fan. Of, like, <laughs> the, oh my God, like, you're just surrounded by copies. Right, I mean, it's, pro- it's probably impossible because there are probably people who took those vinyl masters and just copied, like, pressed their own personal copy of this album, mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah. So Absolutely. It's it's mind bending and it's a really really it's cool so idea. Cool, though. It's so cool. Yeah, I, mean, I will say I do really like that idea. I this really is a band it. that really embraces the digital age. Yeah, and, and the, the copyright they did, laws. Just like you know, what, and I say this, I think it was kind of. I mean, while well, I think it was again, I, I keep keep hammering this point, but I feel it was kind of disingenuous to the fans to release that many albums and not put a lot of time to make them really good. I will say that was great fan service though, making making it open source, making it available for everyone. I think that was a 
really, really good idea. Mm-hmm. See, I, I'm going to disagree when you say there's dry spots and that it's top heavy because to me, all the best tracks on this album come in the bottom half. The fourth color, horology, I do like fourth Techromacy, color. Inner Cell. Those are the best tracks for me besides uh, Crumbling Castle. Uh, again, honestly, there's about five songs I could take from this record. Mm-hmm. They made that into an EP. I think that if they wanted to make five EPs this year, I think they, they would have been able to That's do that a lot better. That's an interesting idea. So yeah. take the five of, best song, or be, five best things from each album, turn it into an EP, turn that into your own playlist, right? Yeah. Well, they wouldn't all fit together. I don't know if we could play this with all the music shit. <laughs> <laughs> but we are out of time for this record, so right. we're gonna move on, and we are going to round out the five albums of 2017 with Gumboot Soup. Uh, this is Beginner's Luck. Beginner's Luck, which was their final album. It was released on New Year's Eve. So they, by the skin of their teeth, either purposefully or because they rushed it out, um, they did five albums in 2017. They did. Speaking to rushing it out, this definitely... Sounds like it. It feels like it feels like oddments for me. Yes. Um, it's really... It just feels like that closing detox. They They said, we got this done we did this project this is the end of it here's everything that you might have missed yeah here's yeah, everything, everything that, that we you... tried that we couldn't make a full yeah album yeah that's right. pretty much why i saw in an interview it was like yeah here's some stuff that we wrote that really didn't fit in anything else that we made this year so we just slapped it together here you go yeah. it's just <laughs> it's kind of the same conversation as oddments but it, yeah. it, in a way it's necessary right it's a way of detoxing themselves to engage a new musical project I, and, and, and there I think are there fans are that desire this kind of thing um, my roommate Brody who's a guest on the show Gumboot Soup is his favorite why it's so disjointed because of that I mean like, the, like the, it, it kind of takes this weird like it, there's kind of that flutesy folksy kind of stuff but like more indie indie that, that we got with um Paper mache um, mm-hmm. that's on here. So, so there's quite a bit of flute on here. But then you go into Down the Sink, which is oddly funky. Mm-hmm. And then out of nowhere comes <laughs> The Great Chang of Being, which is just a s- super heavy, loud stoner rock song. Yeah, it's clearly like a murder of the universe. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. where the f- like, why the hell is this here? Like, what? This has nothing to do with anything. It felt really schizophrenic. This did not make up. Listening to this album all the way through. I mean, there's some nice songs on here. I mean, this only it almost feels like a B-sides record. I mean, yeah. it, more than an actual album. It, it really listening to the album by itself all the way through. Mm-hmm. It, it feels really just, just. You just get a lot of whiplash. And I know they're supposed to be musical chameleons, but I hope they would at least not change colors in the same album. You know. Mm. So it just feels really disjointed to listen to. Yeah, I, that, that's really all there is to say. I don't. I think all three of us weren't the biggest fans of this record, um, kind of like how we were with Oddments. We have differing opinions. This is one of those albums where you have to go in and li- you know, kind of uh, pick through the rubble and find your songs. You know, It's I, not an album that you're going to listen to front, front to back. I think that's something that's important to say because while one might say that 
this stuff should stay in the vault. Maybe it's not a necessary release. I think that the way in which this album and Oddments, we all kind of had different favorite tracks. Yeah. And I think that that shows Hmm. that it's okay for them to release this stuff in the same way that I feel like it was okay for them to do something like like sketches of Brunswick East, just to get everything out there, everything. Because I'm sure they have songs that they haven't released, um, but everything that they thought was worth putting out even if it doesn't really make a cohesive whole just because the time we're living in you don't necessarily have to listen to that as an album you can listen to it as a collection of songs and take what you want and leave the rest and i don't think that that's i'm not trying to make excuses for it and say that it's a good album because it's definitely not it's Mm -hmm. weak and it's thrown together it's essentially an outtakes compilation Mm -hmm. um but there is stuff in there that is worthwhile and it's at least worth one listen to figure out what you like and take it cool um, I'm glad they didn't do that for our next round of albums no. because uh, we're going night and day with this, these next ones. Yeah, so uh, the next album, they had a hiatus in which they didn't release anything in 2018, which is pretty crazy considering five albums in 2017 and very understandable. And they returned triumphantly in 2019 with a bizarre album titled Fishing for Fishies. This is the song Boogeyman Sam. So that was just a little bit of Boogeyman Sam, which kind of gives you an idea a little bit of what they were going for with this record. Um, I know that Stu McKenzie said that they were trying to make kind of a boogie-woogie bluesy record and the songs kept fighting them or they kept fighting the songs. You didn't really know which way it was. And it's definitely, I've never really heard an album that sounds like this because it kind of marries that down-home funkiness, blues, boogie stuff with... Mm -hmm the electronics um in a really interesting way so uh i this was one of my favorite ones i listened to i was very surprised yeah i really like this one um again i I would sit in my top five i don't know if it's like it's probably number five there but you know i I still liked it because it combined like you said like to me this is like a weird marriage of like cz top and like the jake isles band i feel like like cz top style lexineer and everyone knows me knows i love the jake isles band i think it was some heart there's quite a bit of harmonica on this one right yes so and that did remind me with this kind of music reminded me a lot of the jake of jake isles so that was really nice for me to hear but it also had like this weird dark somewhat dark psychedelic twist Mm -hmm. to it as well so Mm-hmm. It really was yeah it was made that really weird interesting sound it's a lot of boogieing on this record which yeah very you, we got boogeyman sam we got plastic boogie Psy boogie, we got Psy Psy boogie, boogie which was the worst song i did not that was the only song <laughs> that was on the this. lead off single uh oh, yeah and in that video Stu is is wearing a gigantic cardboard robot costume i think i saw that yeah <laughs> Yeah, that was the only song on this I didn't really like. But beyond that, I mean, I no, I, I actually didn't. I, I like this one. I did like this one. Coming off of your opinions on uh, bands like Jay Giles Band or ZZ Top, we're pretty much polar opposites in that. I, I don't appreciate music like that. But the way that King Giz was able to make it their own with the psychedelic twin tinges and uh, beautiful displays of uh, kind of the shimmering finger picking on a lot of these tracks, especially in, in the title track, um, really put the album in 
a, in a, a, a steady like fifth place for me right yeah um not my album and not what I want out of King is but um nothing that I think is worth listening to I I think it's definitely worth checking out yeah I think it's really really worth checking out especially since I've never heard an album that sounded like this before or since I, I do get shades of the Jay Giles band but it's not exactly that it's very much their own thing and it's really interesting and Cy Boogie I think is a great song although it doesn't fit on this album at all it mm-hmm. kind of comes out of nowhere it's completely synthesized like it does not belong mm-hmm. um but if you didn't get what you wanted in 2019 from oh. fishing for fishies you could move oh, on yeah. to the second album that was released there is no planet b <laughs> infest <laughs> the rat's nest and this is perihelion <laughs> Sorry. I totally built that up, man. Yeah, so that was that was uh, what was that? Perihelion. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, off Rats Rat, off of Infest the Rat's Nest, and um, I know I've botched it. So shut up. Off so, of Rats Fat Hest. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, but no, um, like, like like I said earlier, um, this this is kind of tied for my number one spot. Everyone knows me. I, Depends on the kind of metal. I love metal, especially thrash metal, and that's what this record is. It's a thrash metal record. A thrash would, metal record in 2019. Imagine that. There's a lot of thrash. There's a lot of thrash. But it's records. not popular thrash. This is the, like, this actually charted, I think. And um, it got. Sure. I mean, yeah. I'm pretty sure Metallica's records did because it's Metallica. But it's Metallica. Ecological yeah. I'm thrash sure. metal. Yes. Well, they, well, Metallica made Blackened. That's ecological thrash metal. You're acting like they're the first ones. Anyways, but no, seriously, this, I, I really love this record. Everyone knows me. I'm a sucker for thrash metal. Does not take a lot, like kind of psych rock, does not take a lot for me to, does not take a lot to please me in that category yeah and if that's the really really good um kind of a slightly different take on it again can you kind of have their take on thrash so i thought this record was thoroughly badass really loved it pretty much i like pretty much every song off this record of course the lead single is probably my favorite planet b which i remember you sending me i remember walking yes like to, to my like class or something and you're like you can't you gotta check this new king kids song out you would tell me what you think i'm like okay i listen to it it's like Oh fuck! That's actually really fucking good. <laughs> yeah, you know, I remember so. the next day I come in, we start talking about something. You're like, "Hold on, stop for a second. That King Giz album, fucking awesome." And I'm like, "Okay, it is awesome. It really, really is." <laughs> <laughs> I think that this album succeeds in all the places that Murder of the Universe might have failed. Mm-hmm. It's just a straightforward, heavy album. The songs are all awesome. The riffs are awesome. It's just awesome. It really is. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's not pretentious. It's great straightforward too, driving. The, great concept with the ecological well, and environmental protection. Fishing, they also did that in Fishing yeah, for Fishies. Both, both these albums have a, a concept that's actually kind of relevant to the time period that we're in. Um, a, a, a concept that people can identify with because it's affecting all of us, climate change. So, a, so an album like this and Fishing for Fishies, I mean, perfect for 2019. Mm-hmm. 
And um, do you know if they're currently making any new records? They probably have like three in the works right now. Let's <laughs> I be think real. this is their hiatus year of 2020. But I would love, um, I w- actually. Uh, are we going to finish our conversation? We're going to make our predictions now. I think before King is going to do next. Before we predict anything, I would just like to mention there are two records we didn't talk about today. Um, mm. There was an album that came out in uh, 2013 called Eyes Like the Sky, which is essentially a, a Western audiobook. <laughs> yeah, it was because a, they're really into Red Dead. Yep, spaghetti. That's, that's yeah. what it is. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, spaghetti Western audiobook narrated by Ambrose's dad. Yeah, so, uh, and uh, then in 2015, they released an album called Quarters, which uh, is kind of psychedelic and jazz. Uh, and the thing with that record is it's four songs long, and they're all 10 minutes and 10 seconds long. So they're each a quarter. That's worth checking album. out for you, Andrew, because that's still like the psychedelic thing that was off mm. um, Fill Your Lungs. Interesting. So, um, maybe they still play that live show, yeah. from Tamed. what I understand. Um, and also, as of late, on Bandcamp, this is out right now, um, they've released three live albums, uh, Aledale, Paris, and Brussels. All those are being sold on Bandcamp, and all proceeds are going to help Wildfire Relief in Australia. So There we go. There you go. There it's you worth go. thinking They're about. probably going to do better. Probably going to do more than uh, Jeff Bezos did. So <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, Anyways. We can only hope. Now we're going to end it off with a fun little activity that we came up with and guessing what King, King is is going to do, do next. <laughs> <laughs> can I give my first prediction? Yeah. So I agree with you on Murder of the Universe in a lot mm-hmm. of cases. I really wish um, – King Giz would have tapped into their um, love and kind of uh, identification with metal music earlier on. I want to see King Giz do a black metal album. <laughs> I want to see Stu blow his vocals out with doing screams and make it be King Gizified. I would love that if they don't do black metal vocals. Really? They don't do black metal because when we did that black metal episode with Brent mm-hmm. a few seasons ago, I, and I think I said it before, Loved the instrumentation. Loved how the bleak, you know, melodies that it brought. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Never liked the vocals. I feel the same can't, way. Can't get, in, can't get into them because of it. So it took me a long time, and and luckily that that Brent episode we did with black metal is my first touch of it, and now I'm just starting to get into it. Really. So it took a long time, uh, but I want to see that happen. I just think it would be absolutely out of nowhere bringing is, that black metal to the. But mainstream. do you think they're actually gonna do it? I. You never know, dude. <laughs> you really don't. All right, all right, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, <laughs> I would like to venture something even more out of the way. I could see another spoken word thing happening mm. at some point. I just think that's something that will probably happen, not necessarily as a big release. Um, but I think what we could see, at least as a joke, at some point, maybe a joke, one-off single, is a hip hop song. Ooh. Like a, a King Gizzard rap song. <laughs> the King I, Gizzard rap. Like, that's the stupidest oh, no. idea uh, ever. But, yeah. But, but I, they've done so much already that I really think at some point they're going to run out of places to go. I can see them all getting in parachute pants and trying to bring back, like, early 80s. They, like, they, no, they're, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna bring NC Hammer out of retirement. <laughs> like, 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 they're yeah. just they're self-depreciating enough, and they don't take themselves seriously enough mm-hmm. that I could see them trying to make a rap song or a rap record if one song went well so definitely i don't th- i don't really think it's going to happen but i'd be interested to hear it mm. they could sample their old songs <laughs> <laughs> they should do a whole they should just do a whole album like that where they sample old songs there you go the remix album except mc hammer's raps on all of them <laughs> i'm i'm so into it the funky headhunter <laughs> too oh, <no. laughs> 
Yo, the funky headhunter. Anyways, my <laughs> prediction. Yeah, what's gonna happen? You tell us. Um, I'm gonna guess uh, a record on the vein of a mix between Jazz Fusion and Elvis Presley. Anyways, <laughs> is that an actual guess? I, I know, but like, it's King is. You could they, they they could probably do that. To be honest, let's be real. So you thinking like old school rock and roll kind of like. Honky tonk that, that, kind of that music. That was a joke. That was a joke. That okay. was me attempting to be funny. I guess it really wasn't. <laughs> but no, you can You never know. That's the thing. I know, that's it's the, like that's I have the to take everything you say seriously because you never know what they're going to do next. Another said that they're probably going to do it. They're probably listening to this episode for ideas. What to do next? <laughs> We're going to um, release ten albums in 2021, so we have to get started now. <laughs> All right. Really annoying, Andrew. Okay. And um, that wraps up King Giz. Any final thoughts you guys want to give? Other than this is one of my favorite new bands. I invite everyone to check them out. Yeah, I think they're really worth seeking out. Um, generally, I think they're kind of, people say this about a lot of different artists, and I don't think it's necessarily true. If you're not a rock fan, you're not going to find something you like here unless you're a big Kenny G fan. But um, there's something in, there. there is one album you will like. If you're listening to this, if you listen to this podcast, mm-hmm. there's one album at least, that you'll like. Probably more than that. So they're definitely worth listening to. And, um, yeah, I mean, for me, it, there, I mean, I, again, I did feel a little underwhelmed listening to it. There were plenty of records, and I think I hopefully I expressed that, that I really liked. So that's a lot of ones that I just kind of, like, had passable on. There's only a handful of songs you can grab from them, and some I just straight up didn't. You know, I mean, they, granted, with a, with, with a, with, with a uh, artist with that much of a prolific uh, output it is to be expected so i'll give them that but at the same time they, they are i think they are they, they sometimes that's to their detriment they, they don't focus on enough albums that they probably could and make them really good instead they only become passable and you know i think that's kind of a shame we saw i saw that in 2017 hell maybe they just did the microtonal one and uh polygon I, th- those two could have probably been a lot better than they were those are definitely the most straightforward ones as far as their progression mm-hmm. so i could see that all right. I think that wraps it up. Hope you all enjoyed. Now we're going to do well, our well, weekly... Well, no, before we go into recommendations. Oh. You'd think I forgot, but I didn't. What? Oh, God. What's, let's talk about this new Pearl Jam single. <laughs> oh, oh, no. I'm going to play it. So, Oh, no. Five... What did you say? It came out like five days ago? It came out five days ago. I had no idea until out I literally nowhere. was walking in... Before we started recording, I was literally walking down the hall outside of our recording studio, and the guy was like, have you heard the new, new Pearl Jam single? I'm like, there's a new Pearl Jam single? It's like, uh, kind don't, of. Don't get excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then we played you this, Dance of the Clairvoyance. <laughs> this is by Pearl Jam. This is actually Pearl Jam. <laughs> we have to preface that. Oh, no. That's it. I, I, I'm not going to do more than that. that. That's the new Pearl Jam single. Apparently that's Pearl Jam? They're taking uh, the Beck route and making a like synthwave album, I guess. Andrew, this is the band that we put at number one debut for, for, album. For the best time. debut records. And now, the curse of... I never thought I would say the curse of the Imagine Dragon would hit Pearl Jam, but... <sighs> 
And three years late, no less, but unfortunately it's happened. Mm. It's, it's very a, strange. This is it's the darkest day in music ever. <laughs> it's that Billboard Top 10 list, dude. Oh, it's, Jesus it, Christ. It's Pearl making its like, infestations across the line. And here's the thing. The la- the Mind Your Manners, their last record wasn't that bad. Like, what the fuck happened here in the span of seven years? It's ridiculous. A lot happened in the span yeah. of seven years. True. You can hear it all. True. On our last episode, where we talk about our decade recap. There we That's mm-hmm. an awesome plug. Hey-o. And with that, would you like to go into recommendations? Yes, sir. Let's um, recommend it. Someone has to go here. first. Okay. I cannot. Um, I will go first. I'm going to recommend another band from Australia. I might have even brought them up on the show before. I really don't know. This is a band called The Chats. Their lead singer has a combination bowl cut mullet. Um, and this is a song that just came out recently it's called identity theft uh maybe one of the only punk songs about that that new online topic of identity theft so here we go Yeah, that's my pick. They're just a really good straight-ahead punk trio. I like their singer. I like their songwriting. It's pretty stupid. So, uh, Andrew, do you want to give us your pick? Uh, I actually want to have Michael go first. Okay. Why do I not have one ready? (laughs) I'm sorry. I was not prepared for this. Okay. Um, You know what? I'm going to say go ahead and go back and listen to Sebado's Bake Sale. Um, it's one of my favorite albums of all time. Sebado, if you don't know, is uh, Dinosaur Jr.'s bassist Lou Barlow. That's his second project, uh, Essential Lo-Fi. And I'm currently working on kind of an Essential Lo-Fi playlist because one of these days I'd like to engage that. Um, it has uh, it's the it's the songwriting skills of uh, Lou Barlow um, combined with uh, a, a number of talented musicians that are also part of that band. Um. Yeah, <laughs> that's I did. I was not prepared. It's one of my favorite albums. Go ahead and listen to Magnet's Coil, and you'll know what I'm talking about. All right, we'll play it. I'm sitting here listening to it because I'm the only person with headphones, and I like that a lot, actually. Oh, well, thank you. It's really weird Sorry, sounding. I, I like I, it. I was just preparing my my recommendation, which okay. I'll have to pull up on YouTube. It's not on Spotify. <laughs> okay. I, you start talking. I'll so, start pulling. I actually kind of feel bad about this one, Michael. I'm not going to lie. I feel bad that I've hidden this one for you for so long because I have a sneaking suspicion. I'm wrong sometimes, but I have a sneaking suspicion that you'd go absolutely crazy about this band. Uh, and I, but I wanted to save it for the King Giz episodes. We're talking about bands that thrash but aren't thrash metal, you know what I mean? Kind of like King Giz with the yeah, best thrash yeah. uh, So this band's called Big Hair. It's not hair metal. I promise you that. Nothing to do with it. Uh, they came out in the <laughs> mid-'90s. Um, mm-hmm. 
that. So it came out in the mid '90s. Um, they really didn't go much better, which surprises me insanely. Um, I was looking through like an old like an old Flipside you know magazine, and mm-hmm. I came across this in the review section. And I had to look it up because it sounded so weird. Basically, and I don't know if it's the most accurate way to describe them, but it's the only way I it's the only way I can think of it. Imagine if Primus was a thrash band. And that's okay. Pretty... I was I was giving you a death stare when you said big hair, because then I got a little triggered. But you mentioned Primus, and that kind of healed me. Ew. Yes, it's essentially. I'm actually gonna. Here, you can play it over the thing, and I'll play it in front so Michael can look here too. But yeah, pretty much this guy has just. I don't know who the guy, the main player is, but he just does this. Cra- he's a crazy bass player. There's a lot of these just crazy bass lines, and it's. Primus, but it just a lot of their stuff sounds like Primus, but very aggressive. And they also have these weird, um, really weird lyrical themes. And in their first record, which is called The Pickle Farm, um, <laughs> has like a clay figure on the front. So a lot of it just reminds me of Primus. So oh, yeah. well. um, this, is a, this is a song called Potty Mouth. And I would like, Ben, if you don't mind playing it to like the vocal set roughly. It's take like a little bit from like about the 15 second mark. So yeah, um, very interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. When I first heard that, I was like, "Whoa, okay, this is really interesting." Which is why I feel like always because I, I love looking through all those old like fan mm-hmm. scenes because I especially looking through all the reviews because every now and again I come across something really fucking good. I recommend a band called The New Christ last mm-hmm. semester, and I found them looking through I think that same edition. So I think it's a perfect band that encapsulates this episode, taking uh, the bass, which isn't usually prevalent in a lot of metal music, and putting it at the front of the stage. It's a unique idea. Much like all of the King Giz albums. Yes. So, and it's really great. Now, here's the one thing, though, and this is where Asshole Andrew comes back in here, because, yes, he's once again recommended something that you can't find that easily online. <laughs> um, you can find this song, Potty Mouth, online, with, as well as a few other songs from that record, Pickle Farm. But uh, it's not on Spotify. It's nowhere else. If you want the full album, which I'm going to have to do this one day, you'll have to, like, buy the CD off of, like, Discogs or eBay. It's, I mean, I'm sorry, but, like, it's just how it is sometimes. Um, I know some people have, like, posted live footage online, and, like, people are like, we should try to get this guy pick up the bass again or something because, I mean, he's pretty good. And there is one other record, and there's even less of those songs on YouTube. Um, I think there's a song called Zero the Flying Dot. I forget what the second record's called. But, yeah, um, might actually be called Zero. I don't know. But, um, no, uh, Big Hair. I think they're a really, really good album. A really great band, sorry. And I think stuff I've heard from Pickle Farms does sound really good. So, uh, yeah, definitely have some time. Go check them out. You'll, you'll, you'll definitely be intrigued at the very least. And with that, go listen to King Giz. And good night, Detroit. Detroit. There is no planet B.